0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast.
1: With the third pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Quinn Williams, nose tackle, Alabama.
0: Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. Today, we're going to talk with Joe Blewett, who is our resident film expert. He's recently cranked through an entire breakdown of Sam Darnold's rookie year. Uh, also, looked at Robbie Anderson, Leonard Williams, Jordan Jenkins, and Jonathan Harrison. We're going to mostly focus on Darnold for the first half of our conversation and then round it out by talking about those other five guys. As a reminder, Subscribe, rate, review to this podcast on iTunes. It's also available on Spotify and Google Play. And we publish episodes on TurnOnTheJets.com where you can find a nice, healthy collection of audio and written content. Give Joe a follow on Twitter at JoeRB31. Give me a follow on Twitter at Caparoso. Check out the gear store at The Loyalist, which we always are tweeting out or posting on Facebook about. Uh, and I think that basically covers it. Uh, this is going to run on Thursday, and then we'll be back uh, with our regular episode once per week until we get into training camp, and we'll probably go to two and maybe three per week. Only a few weeks away. We're just about there. So, Joe, thank you as always for taking the time for joining us. How you been doing?
1: Uh, busy, man. It's the summer, so for my job, when everybody else is having fun in the summer, uh, that means more work for me. But uh, a little bit busy with the film reviews as well, but um other than that with sports it's been it's been pretty good to be completely honest with the Jets are looking up, um, regardless of everything that happened in the offseason with, with uh Mike McCagden, the Devils got Subban and Jack Hughes, the uh my nets, not my nets of, of uh new, my nets of old with Kerry Kittle, the I was a fan back then. Uh just got K D and Kyrie. So uh everything's doing you know, everything's going pretty well right now with my sports team, so I'm pretty happy.
0: Hey, a positive offseason across the board. Uh, not for my Knicks, but listen, that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, hey, man,
1: Julius Randall and KD are on the same level. It's all good. Don't worry about
0: it. I'm excited about Julius, not excited about much else right now. But we'll take what we can get, and you know, we'll find a way to maintain positivity, and we'll compete in 2025 or something like that. Uh, okay. With Sam Darnold's rookie year, I think – the conventional the conventional wisdom, which I think is accurate, is that, you know, he was up and down, you know, the first portion of the year, misses three games due to injury, how serious that injury was, I think will be something that we never really know if he actually could have came back or they just kind of wanted to put him on ice for a few weeks, comes back, finishes the season particularly strong. Mostly during a three-game stretch uh, against Buffalo, where actually he had left with an injury and then came back and played well in the second half. uh, And then had really big games against both Houston and Green Bay before, you know, a tough finale for everyone against New England where he really, not that he ever had any help, but particularly had no help in that game. So you look at Darnold's numbers, they don't jump off the page. You know, he did finish with more touchdowns and interceptions. Uh, He had a couple big games, a couple really ugly games that throw the stats a little bit, namely his game in Miami uh, where he threw four interceptions and also, you know, had some interceptions concentrated late in the Minnesota game and the Jacksonville game, or actually Jacksonville game early in the season, but a bit up and down, most Jet fans act like or carry themselves like it is a foregone conclusion he's going to be a superstar and he's definitely a franchise quarterback your Browns Bills Dolphins Patriot fans would say uh, that's putting the cart in front of the horse and that you know he's a bust or uh, he looked really rough as a rookie as with most things I tend to think the truth is somewhere in the middle, but more skewing towards the size that that Jet fans have plenty to be excited about and reason to be extremely optimistic that he could be this team's starting quarterback at a high level for the the next decade or so. Uh, When you look at Darnold's rookie season in totality, uh, comparing it to what you expected uh, with him coming in, what is sort of your short synopsis uh, of how he played and why Jet fans should both be excited, but also maybe not act like he's fully a foregone conclusion to be a superstar at this point? Yeah,
1: it was it was pretty much what I expected. Uh, any any twenty one uh, year old quarterback, no matter who it is, is going to come uh, coming in and struggle in some games. It's not like Donald had the most help around him, or you're saying that he didn't have talent around him. Uh, I think he he played the t- I think the top ten. Um and average in DVOA against defenses this year, where you we saw him play in games, you know, like uh G- the Chicago Bears or like the Vikings, where his receivers were guys like you know Deontay Burnett, who is going to hopefully develop into a nice fifth or sixth string wide receiver for the Jets, um as one of his main targets, along with Jermaine Curse, uh, Sharon Peak, who literally in the Vikings game got hit in the chest on a slant route and just the ball popped up and got intercepted by Trey Waynes. Uh, So along with some bad receivers that he had in some of these games because of injuries, he had a terrible offensive line in terms of run blocking. He was consistently behind the chains. And if the offensive line did block well on the first or second down run, it was usually a holding call or some kind of um, penalty against the Jets that would set them back. So they didn't, he didn't have a lot of talent to work with um, on the field and, with that, he also had a offensive coordinator in Jeremy Bates, who was not innovative at all and didn't really get guys open. There was nothing really impressive that I saw from him, minus a player or two, which um, is going to happen with any offensive coordinator. So the talent all around him was really not helping um, at all. And you even look at the running backs. You had Crowell go down uh, somewhere in the midseason. You had uh, Powell go down against the Vikings. And now he, he was working with receivers who you know are fifth sh- uh, sixth string on our roster right now or not even on the roster, and running backs who are, you know, McGuire and Cannon who are going to be fighting for that fourth spot right now. So he was really not working with a lot. Um, He, you know, he struggled uh, in certain games, the Lions game. You know, obviously the the first play was blown up from the start uh, where he had some pressure. He was rolling out to the right had to step up an extra second, got intercepted. That was really bad for any Jets fans. I'm sure about a lot of big Jets fans got a bunch of texts. So there there was some plays that he definitely struggled in. It's uh, games they struggled in but then also in those games there are super impressive plays in terms of moving around the pocket pocket awareness throwing on the run making throws that court, that a lot of quarterbacks just can't make um specifically in those last four games that's why people are really really um you know high on him going into into next season with some of those throws he makes some of the plays he he made without uh you know a ton of talent around him but uh, to be short, sure, yeah, you don't want to, you know, automatically assume he's gonna be a top five to ten quarterback going into next year. But if he does continue to play like he did uh, in those last four games last year, then I, I think that the expectation should be top. You know, hopefully he could string t- uh, together consistent games and hopefully be top fifteen, uh, maybe you know, p- uh, getting into that top ten. But you still have to understand that he's not going to be a finished product at 22 years old. He's still have to develop chemistry with both gates and some of the new offensive weapons he has. So I think he's going to have um, some down games, but hopefully the down games are very few and far between. Uh, you know, between a couple, a couple of uh, you know consistent games that he's showing out, like he did against the uh, the Packers and the Texans, where he was just on fire.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I tend to feel like with Darnold's style of play that he is always going to be a guy where there's going to be an opportunity there for him to have turnovers. He's never going to be one of these extremely clean quarterbacks who's going to have a season where he has like three to six total turnovers. He is someone who... When plays break down, he plays aggressive and isn't shy about attacking and taking chances. That's going to lead to big plays. It's also going to lead to mistakes. It just feels that his game is a little more improvisational uh, than some other quarterbacks are, which could be a good and a bad thing, and I'd rather have a quarterback who— is generally going to play a little more aggressive and take more chances rather than be, you know, hyper conservative like we've seen from a guy like Derek Carr, where he's going to have a, a seventy completion percentage, but his yards per attempt is, you know, five or six in some games because he's checking down and checking down. With Darnold and with how he plays, should Jet fans accept the reality that look, there's going to be some weeks and some plays where he takes some chances that are going to result in turnovers, but that by the same style of play, he's going to create some big plays and also be a player when things get off script – uh, or the play breaks down, the Jets will have a chance to make something out of nothing where it's not just going to be a situation where, all right, his first read's not there, his second read's not there, he's got to dirt it uh, or take a sack or whatever. He may be able to make something out of nothing. Is that just the nature of what his game is? And to a certain extent, certain you know players don't change to an extent. So is that just what he is going to be?
1: Yeah, that's, and and you said that perfectly. It's funny. I just did the show, uh, yesterday on YouTube, um, on YouTube, and I said literally the same exact thing where I was saying he's never going to be a quarterback, or I don't think he's going to be a quarterback who has a really low interception rate where it's whatever a low one is. So it's four, five, six, seven. I think he'll probably always be around, you know, that 10 range just because of what you said. He, he makes a lot of, um, improv type plays because the offensive line was one bad and you saw it a lot last year. Just look at the Texans game. Uh, there was one player, he rolls out to the right, avoids J.J. Uh, Watt, uh, pump-fakes another defender who's biting down the box on him, um, you know, slips past him, and then J.J. Watt catches back up from behind him. He's literally getting tackled by J.J. Watt while he finds Robbie Anderson over the middle with the defender literally in his in his hip pocket. It hits Robbie Anderson in the hand, but he, he dropped it. So, like, there's some plays where you're watching, like, oh, don't throw it! And then it, it gets completely like, oh, yeah, that was a good throw, you know? So, it's like... He, he makes some crazy plays um, that are go- there's going to be some interceptions because he's he's super aggressive and it was funny I was arguing with some Bills fans because you know as I'm putting up you know plays there's Jets fans commenting oh you know Josh Allen can't do that I'm fight with Bills fans yeah he's a he's a safe quarterback who takes the the checkdowns a lot and I you know obviously commented back some plays but um, he he's definitely a, he has that gumslinger type mentality at times where he forces. Some balls, some really really tight windows that might get past, you know, it might get deflected um, into interception. But then, uh, plenty of other plays. It's going to lead to a, a crazy looking play, a, a big gain, you know, touchdowns. That's going to move the chains on on third and fifteen. So um, he had a lot of those plays in, in that Texans and, and Packers game where he faced immediate pressure, roll out to his left or to his right, or even, you know, step up, uh, you know, step up and away from exterior pressure, then come into you know, interior pressure. There was a couple times where while he was facing that interior pressure, you'd see his left hand come off the ball. He'd swat a hand down and still keep his eyes downfield and, and chuck a ball between two defenders like he did uh, in that Texans game. Robbie Anderson was on the side where he floated it right over. Uh, the, I believe it was a corner's head who was in a curl to flat. So he's going to have some interceptions. I, I completely agree with that. But uh, with that, he's also going to make some just absolutely ridiculous plays. And this is. This is him with guys, like I said, like Andre Roberts and Sharon Peake. Now you're adding guys like Le'Veon Bell and and Crowd. I'm definitely um, excited for this year. I think Jets fans should be excited. I I err on more on the side you were saying before with Jets fans. uh, Jets fans are always going to hype up their own players, but I think there really is a reason to hype up Donald a lot. I think a lot of other fans from other teams see some of the interceptions that he had or just look at his stats and don't realize what he was working with. In terms of the roster, the offensive coordinator, and like our guy Michael Nania found. Um, with the Jets being in more third and 10 and fourth and 10 situations that he had to throw um, more than any, you know, more, uh, percentage-wise more than any NFL quarterback. So he's going to be in better situations this year. Le'Veon Bell, even if he's even if he's taking it from third and seven last year to third and three, um, just with his running ability alone, uh, Dolan's going to be in a much better situation. And, you know, he's also playing a weaker schedule as well, so... There's definitely reason for optimism. I, I think his his ceiling this year he could he could reach into that top ten quarterback um, range and start showing a lot more consistencies. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: From a route tree perspective, after watching his first season and seeing what he did in college, what would you say are his two strongest routes to throw to, and his two weakest routes to throw to? I think. The sometimes somewhat inaccurate knock on him, at least coming out of the preseason uh, and coming out of USC, was that he really wasn't good in the deep passing game. He was a guy who would thrive more in sort of that you know short to intermediate range. Uh, and for some reason, some people had some questions about his arm strength. I think he... For the most part, answered a lot of those questions well. I know, you know, he had a couple throws to the opposite hash mark in the Meadowlands, where wind is always a factor. You know, in October, where he, he looked completely fine, and it, what, he had his two best games late in the year outside, playing against Houston and Green Bay, but. You know, when you're looking at a route tree and looking at common throws he's going to have to make for Adam Gase or for any offensive coach he's ultimately going to play for, what would you say are his two bread-and-butter throws and then his two that are probably going to be his weakest going forward?
1: Yeah, bread-and-butter bread is really anything anything on the move, um, which I know is not a specific route, but any, any play-action rollouts, naked bootlegs, uh, any throws on a run, he definitely is going to. Um, you know, exceed that because he's just such a natural thrower on the move. It could, it could be fading backwards while throwing off your back foot, and he just has a natural arm ability, uh, you know, arm talent to make those throws. Um, I'm definitely gonna say uh, comebacks were really, really nice to, to Robbie Anderson. Any outbreaking route, um, towards the sideline was really, really good from uh, from Donald, and like you said, with the struggles. Uh, there were some routes over the middle, especially earlier in the season. He started to hit them later in the season, um, but deep crossing routes, deep overs. There were some times where he was inaccurate, whether it be not leading a guy throwing or throwing it over his head. Uh, you know, the Lions game, he missed Quincy Nunua. Uh I think the Lions game again. Actually, he he you know missed him. he he hit a Nunois, but it was a little bit behind him, where Noonwa kind of had to adjust his body midair, and Noonwa ended up dropping it. So, uh, and there's more examples later in the season as well. So I'd say I would say deep crossing routes, deep overs. Um, and then vertical routes, like you said, nine routes he definitely struggled on and he uh, made some really good throws like we have the you know the Broncos and even the uh, the Colts game. you know there was some nice deeper pad, uh, deeper you know vertical routes that, that he said that were good, but then there's also times where you know Robbie Anderson in the Vikings game burned uh, Xavier Rhodes he he missed them. Uh, there was a time where he burned Jalen Ramsey. And he actually threw the ball. He had traveled 61 yards in the air, and he still overthrew uh, Robbie Anderson. So he definitely struggled with his accuracy in terms of deep. Uh, there's also time in the Packers game where he rolls out to the right. Elijah McGuire is working um, against the linebacker. I'm not sure if it's a designed wheel or if it, he cut into the flat and started cutting vertically as they saw Donald Scramlin. I forget exactly, but instead of leading – uh, McGuire, you know, into the end zone, which would have been a pretty, uh, it looked like an easy touchdown. Uh, he did put enough air on it. So, when people are working deep down the field, he definitely has some, some touch issues. I'm not gonna say it's, it's accuracy because it's usually on the correct, you know, correct, uh, kind of angle that he wants it at. It's just, it, it's either it's the timing or the power or the lack of power in one of those throws. So, he definitely needs to work on, on the vertical route, steep overs. And like I said, anything breaking toward the sideline, any throw on, on, on the move. Um, he's going to exceed that. I'm, I'm expecting Gates to have a lot of play-action rollouts um, for Darnold to make, you know, half-field reads. He could, he'd could read both sides of the field, but if you get him on the move and give him a quick decision, because he, he is a quick mental processor, um, for the most part, And yeah, but there are still some plays that he struggled with. Like I say, he's 21 years old, but uh, there were some plays where he reads coverages really, really quickly, like just on a smash concept as soon as that, you know, cloud corner, you know, even just slightly moves up to that hitch, he's going to hit the guy right behind him. You know, on that on that corner route that they they ran frequently last year. So uh, he's a quick mental processor. So I'm expecting some quick reads uh, on rollouts and things like that. So a lot of sale concepts. I know case runs as well, but yeah, those are some of the throws that are good both are that are both good and bad. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Shifting our focus over to Robbie Anderson, who's going to be basically the Jets' de facto number one receiver, most likely. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on him. Uh, I think, compared to most people who've watched him play, I think it's miss. I'd like look. He's always going to be a vertical receiver first and foremost. He's always going to be doing his best work outside the numbers. Most of the highlights you're going to see of him is him winning on a nine route and scoring a touchdown on it. That's where like 80% of his touchdowns have came throughout his three-year career. I do think he's a guy that has a chance or the most realistic chance to be someone who finishes somewhere between a thousand and eleven hundred 1,100 yards I don't think he's going to get over that even in the best case scenario because the Jets have a lot of other options they could revert targets to but he's a guy I think who probably would have had a chance to hit 1,000 yards if Darnold played 16 games last year or even the year before if McCown played 16 games he didn't get stuck with Petty for those few weeks so I think with Anderson he has improved over the past two years to an extent With his hand strength, basically winning on contested catches, he's never going to be a big yak guy. But from what he was as a rookie to what he is now, uh, there's been some improvement. And I think generally he's gotten a little tougher after some early season struggles where he lost a couple fumbles uh, where he takes a hit. It's never going to be the strength of his game. Uh, His route tree is always probably going to be somewhat limited. Uh, but when you look at what you've seen from him through three years, and what you saw from him last year, particularly in that last stretch with Darnold, where he legitimately looked a part of a number one receiver, what do you think his ceiling is, and what do you think are some of the misconceptions about what his game is right now?
1: Yeah, uh, and you and you and you said that well with the uh, the receiving yards. You know, it's always hard to predict stats. Um, but with you know Crowder being in the offense and New Law and Le'Veon Bell and you know second year tight end Chris Herndon, uh, you know emerging or hopefully emerging, um, he's not going to get a lion's share of the players just because there is a lot of you know there's a lot of talent around the offense, so he can't just get every single ball. But um, yeah, he definitely improved last year. I, I think I think honestly I think a common misconception about, about his game is that he's a really poor route runner, minus vertical routes. There's actually some routes, and and I just did the review on him. Obviously, that's why you're asking me about it. But there's receivers like we watched that whole DK Metcalf thing. I remember the Seahawks, and he was running like a comeback, and he took like seven stop steps, and then he took more gather steps just to get out of his break, and looked awful. Robbie Anderson's never going to be a guy like Julio Jones or Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham, where he's running a comeback or any um, you know outbreaking route on a square cut where he's, he's only going to take a stop step or two, like those guys can. But because he gets you to open your hips vertically uh, really, really soon in, into his stem or you're going to get burned, he takes three or four stop steps. And, you know, he's not as sharp as his break through his gather steps to see him get his hips out of his breaks faster. Um, but he does it fast enough, um, you know, relative to how he gets guys to open their hips up. So it's not like he has to be sh- uh, super sharp on his cuts because he, he affords himself room, like I said, because of his vertical uh, speed. And listen, if you're not going to... Um, you know, play him, play him uh, short, or sorry, if you're not going to play him deep and you're not going to open your hips up, and they're saying, okay, you know, they're seeing for a couple plays in a row, okay, you know, they're they're, they're biting on the comeback, they're biting on the curl, whatever it may be, because Robbie Anderson, you know, his, his strengths are routes along the sideline. You don't really want Robbie Anderson, like you said, because of his strength working across the middle, taking hits from safeties and linebackers. It's just not his game. Um, but if you're going to start biting up on that comeback, Robbie Anderson's going to burn you deep. He's a hard receiver to, to guard against, you know, because Um, like I said, you either open your hips up, he's going to beat you underneath, or if you don't open your hips up, he's going to, um, you know, burn you vertically. And, um, I don't know if I just said that right, but you you get what I'm saying. So uh, people say, okay, well, press Robbie Anderson, pressing Robbie Anderson. If that works nine out of 10 times, you know, good for you, but that, that, that 10th time. If he beats your hands, then he he's going to burn you. There's very few corners in this league who can keep up with Robbie Anderson, and um, I think he had a legitimate chance to win that whole 40-yard dash thing, which I didn't really love because that's exactly how you pull hamstrings. Uh, but he is a decent route runner, but paired with that speed, I, it, it it almost makes him look good at times. And he he learned some nuances in in his route running. You know, chasing chasing the near hip, chasing blind spots uh, that he didn't do earlier. You know, earlier in his career, stutter steps that, get, that made guys hesitate or, or freeze their hips for just a second to, to beat them vertically. Um, he's good at catching balls over his shoulder, contested catches, and working back to the ball. He definitely struggles at times. Where the Patriots game, we saw the right sideline. He got a ball deflected for, uh, I, I believe, his third down, and, and uh, whatever corner it was, you know, swad the ball out of his hands. We also saw late in the Texans game where Donald threw the ball along the left sideline. Ball was a little bit high, but it hit Robbie Anderson in both of his hands, and because of some, Uh, contact in, in his back and, you know, on his shoulder, he dropped that ball. So he's, oh, he's never going to be a strong contested catcher. Um, but it definitely did improve in terms of over the shoulder. He's a, he's a decent, uh, route runner. Like I said, pair at that speed, that's good. And I'm, I'm bullish on him too, Joe, where people, you know, earlier in the offseason were like, okay, you know, trade Robbie Anderson for a second third round pick. I don't want to trade Robbie Anderson for a second third round pick. I, I think he's become a part of this Jets culture. I think he's maturing a little bit. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, you know, five or so better vertical threats in in the game. I think he's definitely one of the best deep threats in the NFL and we all know how much that opens up a, an NFL offense. So I like to see him resign. I think he's the most important uh piece of this passing, you know, offense as of right now. If you had to you know tell me him or Crowder I'm taking him. If you had to tell me him or Nunwall I'm taking him. Um so I, I'm definitely, you know, very high on uh, Robbie Anderson. I agree with you that the last two years we had him working with, you know, a a rookie in uh, Donald, who missed a few games, and then Josh McCown the year before. Uh, I think he'd easily have been a thousand-yard receiver with a better, you know, offensive play caller and a better, uh, you know, quarterback to be, to be frank. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Staying on the offensive side of the football, let's talk about Jonathan Harrison, a guy who is probably generally considered the biggest question mark right now in the starting lineup. Maybe also along with Brian Winters, if you if you dug a little deeper. Uh, Harrison's, as it stands now, will be the starting center. I suppose it's still not out of the question. The Jets could look to make a veteran addition, but it's going to be tough to sign somebody who's going to be of, of a starting caliber at this point, and the trade market for starting centers is going to be a tough one to attack unless you're willing to give up a high draft pick or another position where I, Jets don't have enough roster flexibility right now, I think, to pull that off. So I think the expectation should be that Harrison's going to be a starter, He has not started 16 games anytime recently. You know, he played a decent amount last year. Two years ago, he played only like 10% of the snaps. The year before that, he played a little more, uh, but has not really been a full 16-game starter uh, anytime recently at all. Now, the Jets have been bad at center the past few years since Mangold left. You had Wesley Johnson, uh, who struggled. Uh, Then we had the Spencer Long experience last year. Harrison has basically sort of been the swing backup who has, you know, popped in and, I think held his own fine as, you know, sort of just sixth or seventh offensive lineman. What are your thoughts on what they're going to get out of him by going into the year and saying this is going to be our 16 game starter at center uh, and not our top backup on the offensive line? And that, you know, really the Jets top backup on the offensive line right now, I guess, is, you know, Tom Compton or Chuma Adoga, if you're looking at tackle. You know, Both probably pretty concerning if those guys have to play, so it's not like there's some savior off the bench who's going to come in. Uh, how do you feel after watching a little more of Harrison's game?
1: Yeah, and this is one of the reasons that uh, I, I guess the, the, the rift between McHagan and Gates is one of the first things that kind of set it off, apparently, uh, was the fact that they didn't get a center. It was something that Jets fans went into the offseason um, looking at and wanted to be addressed. Um, because it was one of the biggest positions of need, along with quarterback and cornerback, uh, and along with some other positions that the Jets did address. Um, but do you ever really want Jonathan Harrison going into a season? No, you want a guy like Kelsey from the Eagles, but that's obviously not what the Jets are, are afforded right now. Um, after watching his film, and there are some guys I'm down on, and you talk about a guy like Brandon Shell, who, after watching his film, I think he has a lot to correct or he's not going to be on the Jets next year because his technique is absolutely awful. So I'm actually a lot more down on Shell right now. But after a while, uh, watching Jonathan have him a little bit higher on him just because he showed flashes. Now, he did have inconsistencies where he wouldn't take proper depth uh, to pick up stunts or, you know, his footwork would be, would be inconsistent. His hand placement would be inconsistent. He would take uh, improper angles working up to the second level like he, he, did, uh, like he did against the, uh, the Bills when he was working up against a Mike linebacker took uh, an aggressive angle. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds was able to, you know, scrape over top of him and make tackle where he could have just took a consistent angle or a good angle and easily got in front of him. So there were some plays where it was some brain farts, but I'm hoping with a guy like Frank Pollock, who is widely considered one of the you know top offensive line coaches in the NFL coming from the Bengals last year, that he can, he could, you know, string more consistency into Harrison's game. Because it's not like he's not athletic enough or strong enough. You, we've seen some pictures of the dude's biceps. He's, he's absolutely yoked up and he has some good athleticism, so he has the necessary traits that he needs to um, and aggression that he needs to. There's plenty of players where, you know, he, he would just drive a guy into the ground and wouldn't stop driving until the whistle blew, so um, I don't have questions about that type of, of thing, but it's, it's all about consistency, uh, leverage, hand placement, uh, taking the proper depth, knowing when to jump set a guy or, or root or foot fire or, you know, get into, into your kick slide as a, as a center, uh, so there's Definitely some, some positive signs uh, from him. You said the hope, the consistency is strung more together. I'm a little bit higher on him than I was, um, you know, prior to watching the film. I think he you know, tweeted at us the other day, Joe, where they're like, oh, well, you know, how do you feel about him? You know, better, bad, terrible. I was like, you know, I'm like kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm more happy, but still concerned at the same time. You know, it's not like I want him as a starting center, but uh, definitely higher on him than I am like guys like Wesley Johnson, at uh, Spencer Long, which is just a shock, <laughs> you know, growing up watching guys like Maui and, and Mangold now going to the, those last two guys are just an absolute, uh, you know, change up. So I think Harrison could be a, a decent stop cap. I am concerned with the, with the, the lack of depth behind him because you have a guy in Compton who I'm not a hundred percent sure he's ever played center. I think he's only been, been, you know, left guard, right guard. He, maybe he did play a few snaps, but I know he's not Looked at as a true backup center, then Chuma Dogo is not going to be moved inside anywhere. He's 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 a tackle. He's not a guard. He's definitely not a center. Um, So I'm concerned about the depth um, behind him. But like I said, I'm a little bit higher on him, but still not happy uh, that he is you know going to the season as a starting center. And I think that's you know a good thing that Joe Douglas is going to do. Obviously, he's been focused on offensive line uh, his previous stops, and that's what you heard. He's really good at developing. So. I'm expecting to go into next year with a good two to three new starters, and it's going to take years to rebuild that offensive line. It's not that easy. It's a a very important position I think Joe Douglas is going to address, but it's still going to be a struggle for the Jets this year no matter what.
0: Yeah, I think that, along with cornerback, but really offensive line is the main thing that holds me back from saying this team is going to be a playoff team this year or saying this team is definitely going to be over 500. because it's not just one thing. It's not just like, well, if the Jets – you know, we're better at center, they'd definitely be a playoff team. It's the combination of potentially being mm-hmm. below average at center, as you mentioned, potentially being below average at right tackle, and I think Brandon Shell is someone who had, like, a good three-game stretch to start his career, and then everyone just decided that he was, like, a great right tackle, and, like, he's really not, and he's been banged up, and, like you said, has struggled, mm-hmm. and he's already kind of, like, up there in age for someone who's only been in the league for, like, three years. Uh, and then Brian yeah. Winters, I think, is generally... Generally a below-average starter. You know, outside of that, mm-hmm. you're excited about assembly. I think Beecham is fine for the value they have him on and what he does. But three question marks, it's unlikely that you're going to get a positive answer on all three of those. One or two of them are going to struggle or potentially get hurt. And that early part of the year when you play Dallas's defensive line, Philly's defensive line, even Buffalo's defensive line and then Cleveland's defensive line with what they, you know, have added to support Miles Garrett, that's what terrifies me because, you know, Darnold you can only do so much if he doesn't have time to throw the football. So as much as I am worried about cornerback, if you could get after the quarterback, you could manipulate and work around that to an extent and you need to be playing an opposing quarterback who could really take advantage of it. If your offensive line can't block everything you know, goes to shit. I mean, it, you know, excuse my excuse mm-hmm. my French, but you can't do anything on offense if you cannot block. I mean, is that still ultimately your major concern when thinking about this offense on as a whole?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And, and you're talking about guys in, in Brandon Schell and Brandon Shell and Beecham who you know are still question marks to me. Um, and if even if they are, do you have a positive season? That's in pass blocking. That's not in run blocking. And your your biggest acquisition of the offseason in Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, ran behind a really good offensive line with, with the Steelers. And the Steelers, um, you know, obviously they, they helped him out a lot. I still think he's going to be a good running back no matter what. But still, you want to have Bell behind a good offensive line. You want to have Sam Donald behind a you know, good offensive line. Um, pass blocking, where last year you heard a lot. Well, yeah, the Jets were averaging pass blocking. I don't know how they figure out those numbers, um, if it's by hits or, or pressures or what they consider hits and pressures. But those last four games, um, people, I remember, you know, one of the biggest, you know, cons- uh, kind of arguments for Harrison was, oh well, you know, Darnold played uh, his best four games, and Harrison was a center. Like, he actually had anything to do with, with Harrison, and not Stan Darnold, was absolutely balling out. Um, so yeah, the offensive line is, is for sure uh, the biggest concern. Like I said, with the two, the two tackles can't they can't run block at all. Beecham, I think, is below average. He's a good, he's a decent pass blocker, but there's not a good run blocker. He doesn't have the physicality, the size, the length. Um, to be able to do it, shell is extremely inconsistent. And like you said, Joe, that's what happens. Especially in positions you don't people don't really understand. Like receivers, you know, easier once it's highlighted all the time, or corners or linebackers, whatever. But how many people really know <clears throat> about the offensive line? What makes a good offensive line and what good technique is? What certain run plays? What they're supposed to do? You know, it's it's, it's not a thing that casual fans really understand. It's, it's the most complex position um, in in the game, and to understand that, at least in my opinion. Uh, so if people see one or two good plays. And they're automatically assuming that, that, you know, he's a, he's a good player. Just like Carpenter, that happened a couple of years ago, uh, just like with Trenton Cannon, who made a, a, player two late in the season on, as a gunner. And now he's a gunner that, that, uh, you know, the team that brand Boyer needs because he made a few, you know, a few tackles, uh, because there were, those were highlighted, you know. So is he actually a good gunner? I don't really know. I don't watch a film on, uh, you know, gunners. That would be absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, you know, the offensive line is a concern, both in the run game and the pass game. Uh, listen, if you have to get rid of the ball so quickly, there's obviously, Concepts that take more time to develop, whether it be, you know, Yankee Mills, Crease Sale, whatever it may be, um, that that take you know a five to seven step drop, or you know, but if you can't do that because you're getting consistent pressure off the edge or from the interior, um, you have to now limit your offense to to more shorter intermediate or shorter and intermediate type uh, concepts, which limits the offense and it limits what they can do with Robbie Anderson with jameson Crowder, who's a very versatile guy who could beat you short, he could beat you deep. Um, Anunua, who is an all around type guy too. He's, he's, he's really, uh, he, he's an army knife where he has a lot of, uh, kind of good traits but nothing spectacular minus his, his yak, but yeah, it limits the offense. So the offensive line is definitely a huge concern with corner, uh, listen, you can sign a guy or two and it's, and it's pretty much fixed. And you can sign a a couple of lower tier, uh, free agents to be backups, which I think they still need to do right now, because listen, I know the top two, three guys are bad. But if one of those guys goes down and you have guys like, you know, Derek Jones, who's another guy who made a player or two, and now he's going to be, you know, potentially a, a ball pro, like some people think. Uh, you have guys um, like Jeremy Clark. I think, it's, I think Jeremy Clark's on the team. But you have Derek Jones, guys like Jeremy Clark. He, you know, he might have gotten cut. Uh, Brian Poole, who's inconsistent. You have Roberts, who should be a four-string guy. So that's a huge concern, but that's an easier fix than, than, than the offensive line, which, like I said, is going to be a two- to three-year uh, probably rebuild that offensive line because you have Beecham who's getting older. You have Shell who is on last year of his contract. You have Osemele who could be a pro bowler, you know, this year, but he's also getting a little bit up there in age. You have Harrison who has never been starting. You have Winters who, um, is another guy after watching his film, I'm a little bit higher on, but still below average, I think is, a, is the proper category to put him in, but he's getting older. So there's a lot that has to be replaced on the offensive line next couple of years. So let's see what Joe Douglas got with that.
0: All right, Joe Blewett, thank you for joining us. As always, everyone, please make sure to follow his film breakdowns on the Turn on the Jets YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backslash Turn on the Jets TV. Uh, on the podcast, he's been working through on the Play Like a Jet feed and on TurnOnTheJets.com and on Twitter at RB 31 Joe, as always, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, uh, no problem. I'm sure I'll talk to you either during the season or right before the season kicks off. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again, everybody, and we'll be back next week.